That's what you get for betting on international football, I think. Well, that's it. I, this is what I've tried to do to make it fun for myself. I've tried right. gambling and it's, it's just left me feeling empty. So <laughs> it wasn't a great idea. Okay. Hello and welcome, ladies and gents. Welcome back to... Wait, no, no. Oh, why have I put welcome twice in my script? You are not welcome. Script? Oh, oh F- that's... Why I, you are unwelcome. You're unwelcomed. To this I, podcast. I revoke the first welcome. welcome. Hello and welcome, ladies and gents, to the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and as always, I'm joined by Natalie. We're coming at you live from the international break. Also home of the biggest football story of 2019, and it has absolutely nothing to do with football. The boys of summer have made way for the wags of Twitter, and Colleen has momentarily saved us from the despair that haunts us all. I almost forgot an international break was even happening. So, Natalie, this story is particularly amazing. Reason why it's particularly amazing is because someone I work with who literally has not paid attention or or ever made reference to the fact that football actually exists, yep. sent me this tweet. And I was I was busy at work at the time, you know, I was cracking on. And I just read like the first few lines and I was like, wait a minute, something's happening here. So um, how, how do you feel about Colleen Gate, Wagatha <laughs> Christie, as, as, uh, as Twitter has branded it? That's excellent. I hadn't heard that. Um, I think it's fascinating. Like, the bit that gets me, the bit that I'm most fascinated about is where Rebecca Vardy says that, like, not being funny, but I don't need the money, bars. Hmm. Um, not being funny, but, like, that that's that's one of those, like, really passive-aggressive lines, isn't it? Where yeah. you know someone's just about to be a dick. But it's weird, because I do agree, and it seems strange. So then I'm like, whose side am I on? And then I'm like, <laughs> well, 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 I don't need hold to on. pick a side because this is obviously bonkers. Yeah, I was having this discussion earlier and I was like, well, firstly, I'm glad it's happened. Like I was talking to my mum about it. And she was like, oh, you know, she didn't have to, Colleen didn't really have to say that. She could have like spoken to her. And I was like, no, you got it all wrong. She absolutely had to go straight to Twitter because it makes it so much more entertaining yeah. for the rest of us. <laughs> if she didn't go to Twitter, there would have been nothing oh, this we past week known. to celebrate. And it would have been awful. But like, Mm. not only is it outrageous, I mean, I haven't explained what this story is, but everyone listening to this must know. Surely. Um, If you don't know, pause this now, go and have a look and then come back. Yeah, just look at Colleen Rooney's Twitter and it's amazing. And I don't want to go over it again because every freaking podcast in the land is talking about it. But like, the, the money thing, it assumes that you like someone only ever does something because they're motivated by money but which... really she's just a stone cold bitch is that what you're saying exactly exactly wait oh. wait <laughs> i'm not unequivocally saying that but, <laughs> but what you're i'm saying you're heavily implying when you have a lot of money like what, what do you do for fun like you can buy whatever you want so what, what else do you do with your time it, um. I, I think if you look at rebecca vardy and her general persona, like she is very much one of those, oh, uh, you know, one of those to... wags who yeah. who will angrily shout at the manager on Twitter and and be very vocal about things that she doesn't agree with. So yeah, I'd actually forgotten. And so, despite my defence of her just ten seconds ago, um, 
I had forgotten that she'd done that tweet during the Women's World Cup being about being annoyed oh, about equality. Um, yeah. Because there was a female host and three female pundits and she was like, what about equality? It's like, yeah, she was, um, yeah, she was doing that's, that That's whole, not quite how this oh. works, hon. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't really need to explain that, but yeah, it's... I do think she fancies herself a bit as like the queen of, of football Twitter and... Uh, She's just been knocked down a step by by Colleen. Was it was sensational. Married, was she married to Jamie Vardy before Premier League? I'm pretty sure they go back like yeah, uh-huh. years and years. That's what I, I, I don't know if they. I, I don't know if they're married. But I don't they know if they're married before but, Premier yeah, League. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's such a crazy story. Quite clever how she how she uh, how Colleen approached it as well not something you'd uh well maybe clever's the wrong word but it's just it's so petty it's brilliantly petty like that you've decided to set out a trap just to just to prove this it just is to get quite impressive over. and she'd been doing this for years right yeah and I, I just get the impression that sometimes you know some people just want to watch the world burn and that's <laughs> That's Rebecca's vibe right now. But she has been on morning uh, breakfast TV trying to defend herself, which uh, I don't know. I feel like yeah. if you're if I'm Rebecca Vardy in this situation, I'd just be I'd be quietly trying to get get about my business and, and find a way to disprove it if I am saying, innocent. Yeah, she's saying that she's pregnant as well, right? Yeah. Not she's saying that she's pregnant. I'm sure she is. Mm. But, Who but, knows? Um, but yeah, I think if i were heavily pregnant and this was going on and she said you know this is quite stressful blah 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 i would probably be trying to do my best to just kind of stay out, stay of it out as of much it. as i yeah. did like maybe make one statement and say no it wasn't me and then you know just drop it if this you're is worried exactly about it. the stress from your pregnancy then probably like mind your own business yeah and that what you just said there it's exactly it it's like just make a statement that you're innocent mm. and this is false and this is childish and petty don't go on breakfast tv yeah. to like fan the flames even more <laughs> like that, that to me just kind of proves or it doesn't prove it you know it's not it's not completely uh unfalsifiable evidence but mm. it does kind of lend to the idea that she enjoys it a little bit and she likes the drama and hey i know plenty of people like that so i mean we love the drama yeah we love the drama so i guess you just have to take a step back and and appreciate the what the lord has given us on this uh fateful international break but um yeah that's that's colleen and uh colleen and rebecca on to the thing we're actually here to talk about we've got a little october november preview for you on the fpl front and basically we're just going to look at a few teams with what we consider to be the best fixtures and and players in particular that you should maybe be looking out for and planning to get in in the next few weeks. So we'll start off with uh, with my favourite, and I've always got a lot to say about them. Um, Arsenal have some, some quite fantastic fixtures on paper, um, but then we know football isn't really played on paper. But the, the amazing thing about Arsenal's fixtures in particular is they do really go on to about game week 17. Yeah. And that is encouraging in terms of 
if you can find some good options in the team, then you don't really need to make any transfers for ages, providing all goes well. Um, so who have you highlighted for from the Gunners, Natalie? Um, can I just ask as well, um, have you wildcarded? Are you on a wildcard at the moment? Yeah, um, I'd say I was kind of inspired by Colleen's moves. Actually, it was such a wild card move that it just it set me in the in the in the mind frame where I had to go for it. So right. uh, okay, I've hit the button. Cool. Um, so I just wanted to get that out there so that everyone knew what was going on. Um, I am not playing my wild card, despite that being my stance for the last five weeks. Um, yeah. Okay. So why why not? What made it change? Uh. Danny Ings, the end. Danny Ings <laughs> continued growth into... Oh, yeah. I just quite like my team at the moment. There's not enough to wildcard for, I don't think. Like, I could if I wanted to, but I might as well save it for the next four. Yeah, I, I mean, that's quite funny, actually, because we've kind of done... Well, we have done the opposite, where I was very comfortable and wasn't planning to wildcard... And I was quite comfortable with Shea Adams because I was like, he's he's playing well. He just hasn't scored yet. And he's starting over Danny Ings. But now Danny Ings has got the starting berth, it seems like. So, uh, and I'm worried about Shea Adams. And that was one of the, the primary drivers. Him and Kyle Walker were two of the reasons I wanted to play the wild card because I knew Shea Adams in particular was going to keep falling in price. And... There are also some other reasons which we'll, we'll speak about in a bit. But yeah, who have you highlighted from Arsenal? I mean, I know who one's going to be. Yeah, Aubameyang is the obvious one. Um, had his first blank last game week. But last oh. game week was very strange for everybody, I think. Um, yeah. So we'll just ignore it. It was It was particularly weird, actually, because Bournemouth are not particularly good defensively and Arsenal were at home. But... They just didn't really seem that fussed about creating many chances. And that's where I'd worry. So Arsenal's next, let's say the next five, we have uh, Sheffield United away, Crystal Palace at home, Wolves at home, Leicester away, Southampton at home. And those sound pretty good. But Sheffield United are a team, especially away from home, like you got to have some worry about them because they are... They have shown themselves to be solid defensively. Although the flip side is, they do make mistakes. They do make defensive mistakes that lead to goals, and that seems to be the only place their goals come from. Uh, their goals conceded come from. But knowing how Emery wants to play and how Arsenal tend to play, it is trying to create uh, create opposition errors. Like you don't see a lot of Arsenal building up, playing amazing football with like 15 to 20 passes and then like a, a brilliantly finished off move. It's usually trying to cap, uh, catch the opposition out and get like a quick counter. They're just not that good at it. <laughs> but Aubameyang, on the other hand, he's he's gone up to 11.1 now. He is, I mean, he's a standout. He's going to play every game, bar the odd one uh, at some point. But I don't think he's going to be rotated much at all this season because he is just so, so prolific mm. uh the flip side is arsenal don't tend to score more than one or two goals a game so i do think there's a, a certain limit to his uh potential particularly at the at the moment i think a lot of arsenal fans myself included are projecting ahead and we're thinking oh when we get kolasinac out of the team and we've got tierney in he's a, another guy we're going to speak about and when we get bellerin back as well 
we're thinking that these are players who are going to benefit the attack all round because at the moment it's a little bit unbalanced. Um, something I noticed about Kalasinac in particular, and you remember last season, like Kalasinac was the guy who kept getting into great positions yeah. and was creating loads and loads of chances. And people were bringing him in not for clean sheets, but for, for assist, assist potential. Yeah. yeah. And that uh, this has changed this season because Arsenal are... They've switched from playing the sort of three at the back and, and two wing backs to playing just four at the back, which means that Kalasanac has a lot more defensive responsibility and he's not very good defensively. So I think Emery's been trying to use him in this role so that we can play his favoured formation, but it's meant that he hasn't been going forward because he doesn't want him to get caught out, which then means Arsenal aren't creating as much from, from the wide areas. Um, whereas Tierney, who, who played in the... Um, in the Carabao Cup and also in the Europa League. And I think he got two assists in the Europa League game and just frankly looked amazing. Um, a lot of uh, us Arsenal fans are hoping that this is going to be the thing that makes a difference and, and gives the team more balance and gives them more freedom in attack because um, that's certainly something we've been lacking. But um, Aubameyang, I do think, is a safe option. I think, especially considering how City are playing at the moment, there's one player you want from that team, providing he's not injured, and that's Kevin De Bruyne. And right now, it's not feeling like a, a double or triple up on City is actually a great idea. I mean, that can all change in a week. But I do think the, the fixtures are very favourable for Arsenal, and they will score in most games, even though they're not necessarily going to score four or five. I think they will, and Aubameyang has been so consistent since he signed for the club you'd be a fool to ignore him. The only question is price, right? Like, yeah. Cause I know you've got what, uh, Vardy, who you have for strikers. Abraham and Ings. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of a wild card move, isn't it? Or like mm -hmm. if you're making, if you're removing someone like Sterling yeah. or, or Salah, and that's where it becomes a bit muddy. What, what do you think about that? like um his comparable sort of options i mean obviously you've got harry kane and aguero in the striker situation and harry kane's just dropped for the first time this season he's obviously off the table for <laughs> I, I mean obvious reasons isn't it we yeah. don't really need to go in detail um but it's aguero sterling sala like how I are you feeling about that sort of price range if you do have like a more traditional set up of like a premium striker and then the rest of your lads like Aubameyang is quite clearly the kind of the safest option at the moment with as you hmm. said Kane being useless and Aguero being I don't inconsistent isn't the word but I guess like unpredictable like City are unpredictable at the which moment. is yeah it's been a long time since you could say that city were unpredictable yeah. in the sense that we mean it um and i guess you are here you're just playing the fixtures because man city don't have as favorable fixtures uh and they come up against palace next and they have liverpool and chelsea in uh also in the next five yeah and those are all teams that have given city problems in the last few years so you do look at that and sort of think maybe the villa and southampton games could be good but do you really want two or three players, uh, two or three attackers? Especially when you... Uh, I've seen a lot of teams that uh, have done quite well in the early days of the season, but they only have like three or four teams in their starting 11. Right. Um, 
And that, that to me, is just a, a sensationally risky way to play the game because as soon as that one of those teams starts playing badly or you have a week where all of those teams don't do well, like, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. And I know that I know that City and Liverpool are really good, but it does feel like teams are, are starting to play City. And I don't know if it's all because of the Laporte injury or, or what, but, like... It Surely feels like your teams entire are... team can't be falling apart because one defender is injured. Yeah, that's that's what's really strange to me. But I guess we'll, we'll move on to that a little bit later. Um, elsewhere for Arsenal, we do have Kieran Tierney, who's the, the guy we just spoke about, and he's at 5.4. It's quite expensive. The, the risk here, right? And, and so I'm thinking about putting him in on my wild card, uh-huh. which maybe maybe we'll go through my wild cards, my potential options a bit later, because I have a few dilemmas there. I am projecting that he will do really good in an attacking sense. And also Arsenal are playing a lot of teams that don't really score a lot of goals. Yeah. Um. So I, I do think there has been an improvement defensively. I mean, Arsenal kept a clean sheet against Bournemouth it wasn't like Callum Wilson had one big chance that he really should have scored but all things considered I I think there was a marked improvement uh with David Luiz and uh, obviously David Luiz was the man of the match he scored the the header that was the winning goal in the end um but I thought he played well I thought Socrates played quite well I also thought that Chambers is doing a magnificent job at right back i mean he would be one that i would be looking at if if bellerin wasn't quite so close to a return um i think bellerin he's also 5.4 but the reason i'm not looking at him is because he's been out with a really really long injury he didn't look too good in the europa league like he looked better than what we've had there but you can tell he's not up to full fitness yet and i think it's going to be probably round about november december time we start seeing a lot more of him and even then I don't think he's got to be back into the swing of things fully until really the new year uh, but Kieran Tierney on the other hand just looked super fit uh, very energetic very good crosser and also just has the ability to do a number of things that, that the Arsenal team have been missing so one of the problems with playing out from the back is that Arsenal don't really have any fullbacks who can turn forward you know take the ball on the turn and and move it into midfield it's usually just going back to the goalkeeper which creates more pressure Tierney in one game you just saw that he has the ability to just take the ball forward and it's such a simple thing um but Kolasinac just just doesn't do it and I think that means that the team should be more functional but also there should be less sort of um getting stuck in in their own sort of defensive third trying to pass it around and losing it um but yeah i, I think the fact that they're playing against a, a bunch of quite defensive minded teams means there could be potential clean sheets here and 5.4 if he does become a good attacking asset and i think of last season uh, Bellerin, I think, had seven assists, six or seven assists before he got injured. And that was, he was basically on course to, you know, being, uh, delivering similar numbers to Trent Alexander-Arnold and uh, Andy Robertson. So I do wonder if Tierney and Bellerin can be close to that level, um, maybe not defensively, but but assists-wise. And if you can get someone that can put up similar numbers to them at 5.4, I think that's really, really great value. 
And also, I struggle to see where the, the value is defensively at the moment. The only other team I would genuinely look at um, in the sort of premium range would be Liverpool. And I think the, the main reason for that, the primary reason for that, is that Alisson's coming back. And that's a really, really important return for them because obviously Adrian's made quite a few errors in recent weeks and he hasn't been terrible. But just having someone who is that much better is going to potentially make that that defence really good. And they have Man United and Tottenham next who aren't exactly flying in, in attack. So, um, yeah, those are sort of the guys I want to pick out. I mean, I've, I saw Gwendouzi has risen in price again, which is kind of amazing because I brought him in just as like a, a 4.5 guy that wasn't Cantwell because um, Cantwell had gone up to like 4.8 at the time I was looking at him. And somehow people keep buying him, which is strange to me. I, I think he's looked really good, but he's very much a um, a fifth midfielder that you don't want to really play every week. I do think he has been doing more in attack than uh, than I'd expected. Um I think elsewhere, you know, you've got Pepe who hasn't really come into his own yet, but he does have some decent underlying numbers. Uh, Saka, I think his days could be numbered, but he is 4.5. But Lacazette should be back for a return potentially this weekend, actually. So I probably wouldn't be going for guys like him now. Um, David Luiz is a bit too expensive and you don't really want a a centre-back considering the current defensive woes. I am projecting a bit and hoping that that Arsenal will get better, but you never know. It's it's still a risk. Uh, So Chelsea also have some amazing fixtures and also have just been playing really well, (laughs) really consistently. So they're kind of the opposite to Arsenal in that their performances have, have been really great but they haven't always been getting the results to to match them. They're a little bit unlucky not to get anything from the game against Liverpool. And, and I think in general, like they've just been a joy to watch um, in terms of their attacking play. So Abraham, obviously, what, he's up to 7.6 now or is it 7.7? 7, well, I thought 7.6, but now I'm worried all of my numbers might be out of whack. Yeah, I think he's just gone up because he's a player that I brought in on my wildcard, hoping that he will go up twice. Yeah, because I don't actually now. want to keep him. <laughs> Do you not? Which which sounds strange, but I'll explain it later. Okay. Yeah, um, seven point seven. I think he's like he looks like the best value striker in the game hmm. at yeah. the moment. End of story. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Eight goals. So he's he's right at the top of the scoring charts. And I was a bit annoyed, actually. So a little bit of an aside, but the England game the other night, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, uh, I watched the first 60 minutes and then we were like, this is so boring. Let's it w- not. It was so bad. It was so bad. And I think part of the reason is the team is basically built around some teams that are playing quite poorly at the moment. So you've got Pickford and Keane from Everton. Yeah. You've got uh, Kane, Winks. I, I don't think he started though, did he? I can't, can't even remember who started now. But even Sterling, you know, like yeah. he, he's someone who isn't massively informed. And Danny Rose. Um, yeah, Maguire as well, sort of as the, the centre-back leader. And it all just went completely wrong. But I was a little bit disappointed that Abraham didn't feature until the last, what, five minutes or something. Mm. I thought there was a genuine argument to include either Abraham or Wilson over Kane. And I know it will never happen because it feels like we've got into this point with Southgate where it's like old England, you know, where Rooney would always start and he'd always play despite the fact 
that he hadn't been performing well, he hadn't been scoring goals, he wasn't really offering anything to the team other than just being their record goal scorer who scored a lot of goals in meaningless friendlies. Yeah. Uh, or, or meaningless, <laughs> not entirely meaningless qualifiers, but, you know, not particularly hard games. I feel like Kane is on the pitch to be like a penalty taker and a midfielder. And that's not really what you want from your striker if if he's not creating loads of chances for, for Sterling and Sancho. So I was very disappointed that Abraham didn't get more of a chance. I'd also say the same about Callum Wilson because he's been really consistent and a great striker this season. But maybe you can make the argument there's a, a systemic reason. But Abraham has been fantastic this season. Plays Newcastle at home next, Burnley away after that, Watford away after that, Crystal Palace at home after that. And I think the two fixtures you're looking at here the Newcastle and the Watford ones. I can just about convince myself that the Newcastle game at Stamford Bridge is going to be a tough game. And I don't know if I'm maybe giving too much credit to Newcastle there. But if you look at the two, you know, the two teams they've beaten this season have been top six teams and they've been really, really defensively solid. And I just wonder if... Chelsea come up against more teams, uh, also Burnley away after that. Like, if they're playing against teams who are really solid defensively, are they going to be as effective as they have been? Because Southampton was a game where I was quite quite heavily backing Southampton to get a result from that. But they were just defensively awful and, and made some really bad decisions. And also they press very high, which means Chelsea could sort of play around them if they were on their attacking game. Does that translate to, to Newcastle and Burnley? Do you have any worries about that? Um, I don't know. Newcastle's a bit of a weird one. Because um, I think they have I, been impressive, right? Like they've been consistently good in attack. Strangely, I was going to say strangely against Man United, they weren't. But actually, that was one of the those cases where Man United won 4-0, but Chelsea actually created a lot and just didn't score. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's kind of the question for me. And I think if there's anyone you're going for from this Chelsea team, it's probably him. Obviously, Mason Mount at 6.7 in, uh, in midfield. Um, four goals and one assist so far. He's been really prolific uh, with his his goal scoring. I'm just not sure about him yet. I, I don't know what no. it is. Like it feels to me like he's seven is quite. It seems to me like not quite expensive, but yeah. like for someone who's new to FPL, like I don't know. It it seems like a little bit of a more risky move than. Yeah, it, sorry. So actually, six point eight. He's risen as well, and oh. he's another one. He's another one I've got in my current wildcard that I'm probably not going to keep. But I, I'm i trying to figure out what it is about him. He feels to me like one of those players who's just quite good at being at the right place in the right time. Yeah. Which is either saying that he's been quite lucky so far or he's actually got a knack for it. And it's hard when you don't have a lot of uh, time watching a player. It's hard to really get a grasp on on quite how good they are but I do think he's putting up great numbers I'd certainly I'd be looking at him over someone like Madison because I think well, this because Chelsea you hate t- Madison because I hate Madison but also because he's 0.5 cheaper and he oh, sorry 0.4 cheaper and this Chelsea team creates a lot more in attack than than Leicester do Leicester don't actually create 
enough, in my opinion. Uh, but they do still, you know, they do enough to win games. But Chelsea are very, very attack-minded and very exciting. Um, and hudson Adoy is another player to look at at 5.9. I think I'm slightly more intrigued by him just because his price is at a little bit lower. And I do think he is a guy who could put up fairly comparable numbers because he's, you know, he's a winger. He's going to be playing high up the pitch. He did pick up an assist on... Um, in the game against Southampton, I do think it was a little bit, I wouldn't say lucky, but it was just kind of a long punt. And uh, who was it? Was it? It was Abra- the Abraham goal. Or was no, it the Batshuayi one? Yeah, it was the last one because he only came on for the last 10 minutes. Right. Okay. Um, I don't actually remember the goal now. I, didn't I can't see believe the, that happened. I didn't watch them, but yeah, I'm fairly sure what I've said is correct. Okay. Um, yeah, so he could be he could be an interesting one as well, and I think I'm just looking at him because that's less of a destructive price for for my team. And I don't know, six point six point eight is is awkward. It's awkward to fit someone in that range in with the sort of structure I'm running at the moment. Yeah, a- Abraham for me is the guy, but I don't know. There's still so much to learn about this team, and I think it's going to be interesting seeing. I'm a little bit worried that I'm in this mindset where I'm thinking, oh, but I'll wait and see how they how they fare against this type of team and this type yeah. of team. And then and you'll I'm... just be waiting forever. <laughs> exactly. I'm being like too dogmatic about it and ignoring what's right in front of me by trying to play like differentials and guys who are cheaper when maybe it would be better to just go for these guys. But I know they're... these two, uh, Mount and Abraham, are pretty much mega highly owned now aren't they because everyone's just bringing them in because they've been so consistent in the early days yeah on to west ham so these have been a funny funny bunch and alaire is actually a, a current casualty on my little wild cards which i don't feel great about but i'm just looking at these fixtures and they look good on paper so it's everton away next sheffield united at home newcastle at home and burnley away but the the problem i have with um with West Ham is they just feel a little bit like inconsistent in the the level that they're at. Yeah. Like um they scored an amazing goal against Crystal Palace. And it seemed like as soon as they'd scored the goal, they just kind of took their foot feet off the gas and relaxed a little bit. And I don't know, I I feel like when I watch the full like their full games they don't really control games for long spells other than sort of passing it around the back and being quite ineffectual so I'm a little bit I've got a little bit of a question mark about them at the moment but I do feel like they're playing against a a few teams who struggle to score goals so Everton away next is a particularly good fixture because I think um, Everton have been awful consistently awful Pickford is having a mare at the moment Uh, so is Michael Keane and West Ham do seem to score most of their goals away from home. I think they, they have a much uh, higher away XG and seem to just perform better for whatever strange reason. Um, is there anyone you like in, in this West Ham team in particular? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Ale, Lanzini and Yarmolenko really are the, the guys that I'd look at. Um I'm really um, averse to going for defensive players whilst Fabianski is out. Um, Mm. Obviously, I have Diop, but I think he's just going to stay and just be a rotatey guy. Um, Fabianski does have a 
expected return date of the 1st of January, which is very, very far away. Wow. Um, so that's a shame. Like, everyone's losing a goalkeeper at the moment, actually, because Larice is out for the season now with his broken elbow or whatever. I didn't think the whole season, just till 2020. Oh, I read that he was out for the season. Hmm. Because if it's broken, like, obviously, um, Pope yeah. and Heaton just dislocated their shoulders and they were out yeah, for, they were out like, for ages. nine months. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, no one's going for Loris or, or Gatsuniga anyway, right? No, but it's quite an interesting <laughs> thing that so many go- What's that? Four goalkeepers out? Like four first team goalkeepers out at yeah, one time? Two, two from Norwich as well. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it's. Um, it's I, quite I, weird. I, you know what? I, I will say though, the Crystal Palace game was based. It was so obvious what West Ham needed not to do. And I, I blame Alain quite strongly for this, actually. Crystal Palace weren't going to score a goal unless you gave them a set piece. And Alain, just for no reason at all, the ball's in the middle of the pitch and he just goes in with this ridiculous slide tackle. Can't remember who it was on. But like there was, there was no danger whatsoever. Crystal Palace notoriously score like one goal from open play every six games. Yeah. And he just brings him down... Then it goes to a free kick, which Rice subsequently handballs in, and they give away a penalty, and they're on the back foot all of a sudden. And then the goal that they scored late on, uh, Andre, not Andre, Jordan Ayew, was another set piece that they gave away late on. Like, I can't remember who that was. It might have, might have oh, even yeah. been Rice. But whoever it was, I was just like, what, why have you done this? Why have you given away a free kick? Let them run and try to create from open play, because that's not where their strength lies. Their strength lies from set pieces where they have a load of big men who can win the ball in the air. And I thought West Ham were really, really naive in that sense and really brought upon their own downfall. And there was no no criticism for uh, from the... Sorry, no criticism from me for the goalkeeper because I don't think there was anything he could do. He had a penalty and he had a tap-in that he was nowhere near. Like, yeah. he couldn't have been expected to save those. So I'm not quite completely um turned off by the idea of of their defense being able to do well over these these games but mm-hmm. as i'm on my wild card i will not be keeping d up because it's too much of a risk but i think if you already have him i wouldn't be like taking minus fours to get rid of oh, yeah, like a, sure. a west ham defender i just slow i'd see how they do in the everton game and then maybe make a decision after that because so they are playing teams who don't score who have you got in instead of d up We'll, we'll do it later because it's there are too many things I want to go through on my okay. on my wildcard team. Um, uh, yeah, Lanzini I, I like the look of, but six point three is a little bit expensive when you've got guys guys like Mount at six point eight who are putting up better numbers. It feels like too much of a risk, um, but I I do love him. I, I just I feel like this team aren't gonna score enough goals at the moment, and that's what I'm a little bit worried about. But they do. They do offer some value if you want to punt on one of them. And uh, I guess the problem is like Felipe Anderson as well is a bit too expensive. I really think Yarmolenko is a good move on on your part because he's the guy who's cheap, but also a good goal threat. He's he's very straightforward in what he does. Like it's the same thing every time, cut inside and take a shot. But 
you want someone who's taking loads of shots like that's a that's a great thing for fpl so i do think he's actually the the standout at six million or 6.1 or whatever and also i wanted to mention bournemouth because they have a really nice run in terms of teams who are pretty woeful defensively Uh, so they have norwich at home next and this is actually one of the main drivers behind me playing my wild card I needed Callum Wilson, but the only way I could do it was taking a minus four. And actually, when I saw these fixtures, I thought, you know what? They're playing against a lot of teams who are sort of in disarray at the moment, and maybe I want to double up. So they have Norwich at home next, then Watford away in game week 10, then Man United at home in game week 11, then Newcastle away in game week 12, Wolves after that at home, which is a, a bit of a tricky one, and then Spurs away after that. And that, to me, looks like a really nice run of six fixtures. Yeah. So Callum Wilson, I think if you can get him in for this week and you're not removing anyone major, I think you have to be considering him because he's probably going to be my captain as well. I would usually go for Aubameyang, but the fact that it's a Monday night, the fact that it's away from home, the fact that I don't know 100% for sure that Tierney's going to start, even though I think he is because he looks, you know, fit, um... I think I'm going to go for for Callum Wilson, captain. And Norwich at home is a, a great fixture for them. Norwich obviously struggling defensively at the moment. It's not to say that they won't maybe set up quite defensively to try and counter Bournemouth's, uh, Bournemouth's threat. But I don't know, that looks like a, a very good opportunity in my mind. And then Watford after that. Also, Josh King, I think if you can't quite fit uh, Wilson in, he's actually been outscoring Wilson quite a lot um he just doesn't seem to be as consistent but he's also a penalty taker uh and I think at 6.3 it's it's another good value proposition there so definitely pick one of those two I'm not quite so sure about Harry Wilson he he seems to be coming off quite early and Ryan Fraser is sort of not really a starter anymore so I really think the the best option is looking at uh Callum Wilson and I guess you know how we feel about about Bournemouth's defence it's not it's not reliable ever I did do an angry tweet the other day about people buying Rico I was just like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) is I think it's because he keeps creating chances it's a funny one because he's probably one of my best picks of the season and he's a guy that I brought in just assuming he wouldn't play but like I've actually gained some profit on him now and I'm thinking I might downgrade him to like winston reed who's 3.9 because i want to bank that cash before it's too late um but yeah like i i did not expect him to be one of my first players outside of like city and liverpool guys to actually rise 0.2 in price that was uh pretty crazy but yeah i really like the look of those fixtures and leicester apparently have great fixtures but you know i hate leicester so we'll just we'll just move on from that slightly yeah, I don't know if Leicester necessarily have great fixtures, but I don't think you should be getting rid of Leicester players if you have them, but I don't think you should be buying Leicester players if you don't. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And I think Burnley next is going to be a really, really tough challenge for them because Burnley make games hard for, for good teams. And we saw that <laughs> we saw that with Everton basically getting caught out on the same set piece twice and really really struggling to create chances against Burnley I I I freaking love Burnley I am gonna play uh Heaton instead of Pope though this week are you really Mm. 
against the against amazing Brighton. Brighton. <laughs> yeah, but it's are you Brighton kidding playing, me? It's Brighton playing away, and I don't, I don't rate it as much. Okay, so that that moves us nicely into the surprising, surprisingly good teams, I guess. Yeah, Brighton. Brighton were one of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Brighton beat Spurs three 0 Obviously, didn't see that coming because I left Dunk what second on my a bench. Beautiful result. It was really Beautiful. good. I was really, really pleased. In fact, I, I screamed multiple times out loud during that game. Um, yeah, really surprising. Obviously, Spurs weren't helped by Larissa's injury, but still. I, okay, this was ridiculous, though. So he just dropped it. He was, I, I was so confused by what happened. Because I was like, um, oh, he must have like his arm must have gone when he caught the ball, and that's why he dropped it. And no, the injury comes on his way down, where his arm just bends in a very, very unnatural way. But like, mm. that is insane. That error, like, it's literally just a routine yeah. catch, he and he ju- just or, drops it. Yeah, even if he just punched it, he would have so... avoided all of his problems. I don't understand how he's been this bad. Like, he's done this so many times over the last few seasons, and he's still the Spurs' number one. I, there have to be serious question marks. I, I mean, they're maybe in a better situation with Gatsaniga. I don't know if that's maybe being a little bit too simplistic about it, but he makes so many high-profile high high profile errors. And, uh, yeah, that, that team just looks in complete disarray at the moment, but Brighton took full advantage of it, and I think... Mope had a really good game. Aaron Connolly at 4.5. I mean, he's, I think, yellow flagged at the moment. I don't know if he's going to be back in time for the next game, but he's basically set down a marker, hasn't he? That he's going to be the starting striker now and, and Glenn Murray's going to be back up. Which I think is fine. And surely Murray can't be that mad about considering yeah. his age and tenure. Um, but yeah, I... And I remember messaging you like when the lineups were out, and I was like, "Who the fuck is Connolly?" Hmm. Uh, turns out, scores goals. Yeah, he was fantastic. I mean, his first one was really, really nice little uh, flick. Uh, who is it who crossed it? I can't. I think it was Gross. Gross was denied an assist because the keeper saved the first shot. But he just looks really, really impressive. And for a guy who's priced at four point five in, yeah, in FPL, I. I'm not like going for him yet because I, I want to see, you know, I do think this game was an anomaly in that yeah. Spurs were so bad, so, so bad. And did you hear the, the rumors about like what's been going on? And this, they're probably total bullshit. No, but, but tell me because I love the gossip. Yeah, you'll love the, the rumor. So the rumor is, right, and this surfaced for the first time, I think about four months ago, and it's the... Vertonghen slept with Christian Eriksen's wife. Right. So, right. so Harry Kane punched him in the face in the dressing room. Right. And there's like a picture going around of like Vertonghen with a black eye. <laughs> and they're saying basically they all hate each other because, because Vertonghen slept with Eriksen's wife or girlfriend or whatever. And I, this, this sounds way too ridiculous. Is it not because they all just want to leave the club? Like... That's that's been coming for so many years now. Alderweireld spent last most of last season just not playing because he he didn't want to be at the club, and I I think those chickens have or those hens have come home home to roost. Essentially, it's this situation where 
there are players whose minds are elsewhere and everything keeps going wrong and even Pochettino is is kind of struggling and uh it, it doesn't look great for the boys at the moment but I I do feel like there has to be some consideration of that when looking at these Brighton players because we haven't seen enough of it yet and Mope's goal while I do like him as a, a potential sort of six million option it was from Loris just giving him the ball yeah <laughs> uh Lewis Dunk though always a great oh, shot he's doing so what like it's interesting because it this is obviously Brighton's third season in the Premier League, but this is the first time where, even though I've had Dunk since day one, um, it's the first time where we can genuinely be like, okay, these, apart from Glenn Murray, obviously, um, these are genuine FPL options. And Dunk, that's his second assist this season, I think. Um, yeah, just doing really well. Hmm. And you love to see it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think his price at 4.6 is very, very appetising from a, yeah. an FPL point of view. The only problem, I guess, is if you have Ryan already. Because hmm. it, it's definitely not worth doubling up on those, yeah. I think. But like, I've always preferred having Dunk to having Ryan. Um, just because I think there are other goalkeepers that I'd rather have. Um, yeah, absolutely. But both are good options. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, I think... I kind of err towards Dunk as well because I think he he can get assists and he can get goals because he's such a threat from set pieces and also he he does like to get bonus points when um when they keep a clean sheet. So. Yeah, he's he's pretty much nailed on for bonus points if they do yeah. keep a clean sheet. And he was genuinely really good in this game. Like defensively, he was really good as well. And this... every time he made a clearance, I was like, "Fuck's sake, stop doing that! Stop doing that!" <laughs> and as soon as he got the yellow card, I was like, "Yes." um but it wasn't enough it wasn't enough because he was on your bench right that that's why you're saying this i didn't know if we we said that already but yeah i did mention it okay um yeah he he looked really really good and he's one who's pretty high on my list i don't know if i'm going to get him right away i do like the look of brighton now they're playing this more front-footed style of play um i think it will benefit him i think he'll get you know, his assist for Connolly was a pretty exceptional long pass. Mm. And he did that a couple... We mentioned this, I think, with his assist earlier this season. Mm. And last season, he had a couple that were the same. And also, let's not forget, he did have a goal disallowed as well. So he could actually be on, what, like three goals for the season or something? <laughs> so he's he's looking really impressive. I think he's probably one of the standout players in that team. And I'm really excited to to watch them evolve over the course of this season because I think they they should be an improvement on, on how they uh, finished last season. And it's, uh, yeah, if you're a Brighton fan, it's really exciting. I think Aston Villa are also a pretty exciting team to watch at the moment. Fresh off the back of a 5-1 win against Norwich where it's, it's all kind of falling apart for Norwich at the moment. And I do, I do have sympathy for them because they have a lot of players out injured. But I also feel like we're starting to see the real Norwich. And... Villa have a little bit of of know-how about them there it's weird it's one of those things where they're like although a lot of the players aren't typically you know players with big illustrious Premier League histories the club is such a big club that you feel like there's something uh, about them when they have a home game they can they can really uh turn it on and I think they've looked really impressive so far this season it's still McGinn for me. Is that 
do you think there's anyone else on this Villa team besides, of course, Heaton, who I think is always a, a strong option? Um, um, I don't know. I was just having a look at El Ghazi, but then I've noted that his price is 5.5, and that's a little bit too expensive for a man with only three assists. Hmm. Um, he scored, scored as well, though. Has he? He got a nice little goal against... Um, I think oh, he two got goals. The f- Sorry, two goals yeah. and three assists. So no, actually, he, he maybe, does he's good. A, maybe he's a nice little alternative, but I... Like, I still want to wait a bit. Yeah. Yeah, there must be... The thing about McGinn is there must be a reason why I haven't done it. Right? There must be a reason why I haven't made that move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it was painful for me. He was my transfer in last week. And I think a lot of people probably felt this because I'm definitely not the only one who brought him in. But to see them score so many goals and McGinn have absolutely no involvement in any of them was and then you get a yellow card quite amazing yeah it was amazing <laughs> and i mean pretty much everyone had a bad week last week it, it it was really the differentials who who won the day but yeah you just have to it's sort of like raheem sterling isn't it when city won 8-0 and sterling was was on the, on bench. the bench yeah uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it's a bit of a tricky one, but also I think from watching the highlights, obviously you didn't get to see the full game, but from the highlights he was involved, he was just playing sort of the, the deeper role and sort of starting the moves rather than finishing the moves. But as we mentioned earlier in the season, like the guy loves to take a shot. And actually, when you look at a lot of the goals that Villa scored, I think Norwich were a little bit unlucky because a, a fair number of them were just really, really good long shots. And, uh, well, I'd say a fair number, like two of them were really, really good long shots. Two of them were really, really bad defending. And they were both the Wesley goals. Wesley is not someone I'm convinced by at all. And if you had him last week, if you brought him in, like, because I saw on Reddit, like quite a few people were, you know, floating around the idea of a number of sort of cheaper strikers. And Wesley was one of their names. It's funny because you see the discourse, right? And everyone say, no, don't go for Wesley. Like he, he looks rubbish. And then he scores two goals. And that's just FPL because it always be like that. But I think his overall performance, like the thing that stands out about him is he's just massive. He's really strong. Um, But the defending from Norwich was, there may as well have not been any defenders on the pitch because they just let him have all the time in the area and uh, gifted him two, two relatively easy goals. I thought Grealish was really impressive. Uh, I think he came away with, what, two assists on the day, if I remember uh, correctly? Just a goal. Oh, was it a goal? Okay. He was good anyway. <laughs> he <laughs> looks really impressive. Uh, but yeah, I, I think one of these these players is worth going for, whether it be El Ghazi, whether it be um, Grealish or McGinn. I feel like over the course of the season, McGinn is more the guy who wants to arrive late in the box and, and finish it off sort of Lampard-like or um or just shoot from outside the area and that's that's the thing i look at that i think will over the course of a season will do more for you but i think grillish is a, a great second option now Ghazi, without seeing him play a lot he does seem to arrive in the right place at the right time um defensively i think heaton's a good shout i'm not quite so sure about mings mings to me seems like a lesser lewis dunk because i don't think that um I think he looks really good as a player, but I don't think that Aston Villa are going to keep as many clean sheets as Brighton will. Whereas, you know, you've obviously got like 
a keeper rotation. You can, any games that look tough for Aston Villa, you can play Pope instead. Yeah. I think with Mings, he's someone I wouldn't be that confident about considering he doesn't get like save points. And I don't think he's going to score many goals from set pieces really. But that's just, that's kind of an assumption based on nothing. I just haven't really seen enough of him. Um, but yeah, not overly convinced. Anyone else from Villa? No, just wanted to mention that Heaton's, on, uh, Heaton's England injury is obviously fake and he'll be absolutely fine. Um, it Like, there was, I can't remember where the, the statement came from, but there was a statement that was essentially, this injury is fake, he is absolutely fine. And I was Brilliant. like, excellent, I love it. <laughs> That's great stuff. Uh, and another surprising team, which perhaps shouldn't have been surprising considering the season they had last year, but they've really picked it up in the last few games, is uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah. They've looked pretty good. And obviously, your man <laughs> with his new social media channel. Oh, yes. That's uh, Adama Hello Traore. And welcome to my new social media channel. What, what a great guy. What a hero. He really um, is. It's funny because I think we're still ignoring Wolves because of the Europa League. Hmm. Doesn't seem to be an issue whatsoever. Well, um, they've yes. just turned it around recently, haven't they? It's been, what, three games in a week. They won them all. And one was against Man City. Mm. And that's, they do. that's a turnaround considering they're on relegation form before the Watford game. And <laughs> I guess... Do you reckon Wat- it's... It's due to the inception of Adama Traore. Do you reckon he is the glue that's holding it together? I think he's unquestionably improved. He's he's certainly improved. He's actually, yeah, he's been displacing Doherty in the starting 11, which is particularly interesting. But what they did with him in the City game was basically just put him up front because he's such a ridiculous threat with his, his pace and his physicality. Um. I am genuinely considering him as a, a fifth midfield or a fourth slash fifth midfielder on my wild card. Yeah, he's only five million. That's why. And I'm going for a very unorthodox sort of team structure, but it's because I only I'm planning to go with this sort of Bournemouth double up just for the next sort of five fixtures. Yeah. And that is where a lot of my money's going. So I can kind of have someone like that who I can just put in in the odd game. I have been really impressed by their last few performances. I mean, the Man City one, I don't know what's wrong with, with Man City. Something is, is not working there. But they just didn't really create many great chances against Wolves. And I think we're starting to see the Wolves again from last season where they are defensively solid and they are getting you know the results from, from their, their good work. I don't know why they started so slowly. I wonder if it was just a kind of thing where they were playing a lot of games and they weren't fully up to fitness yet but now they've mm. they've kind of got into the swing of things that they've started to really pick it up but i think um wilfred bolly is is his name wilfred is wilfred yeah. right yeah I, this has been like a weird i don't know i just said yeah but i actually have no idea i'm just looking oh now. it's willy it's willy bolly isn't bolly. it yeah. which may be short for wilfred but i'm gonna google it but that because you know obviously there's Wilfred Bonnie. Yes, it's very confusing. That that's that's why I, I kept oh. getting thrown for a loop. No, extremely incorrect. His full name is Willie Arnoch Zobo Bolly. Oh, okay. Willie Arnoch 
as is one double words. barreled. Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. Willy hyphen Arnold. So I will not disrespect him and call him Wilfred. I'll, I'll call him Willy because <laughs> that's, that's that's what he was christened. As. That's what he was named. So six uh, foot five, Willy Bolly. Yeah, and he was fantastic in this game against City. Um, he is a guy who's a little bit on the expensive side at five million, but I think considering the uh, the games that Wolves have to come. And also his threat in the opposition box. I think he could be a really good, really useful player. And also a differential in a, in a time where not many teams are keeping clean sheets. And he has Southampton and Newcastle next. Southampton, you know, a team that I've been quite, quite praiseful of. But they are just really struggling to score goals at the moment. And the only goals they're getting are from opposition mistakes. And that's something that I think Wolves are very good at avoiding. So playing against two teams who, who really struggle to, to put the ball in that, I think he could be a really great option. I think it's better to, like Rui Patricio as well, he's 5.1, but that's, I, I don't like spending that much money on a keeper unless you're getting a proper elite keeper. I think actually, if you've, what if you had Fabianski, need to get rid of Fabianski, hmm. swap him to Patricio? Yeah, I mean, that's a good, a good switch. I'd still... And this is just my personal thing, right? But like, I'd still look to go for a 4.5 and maybe try yeah, and get sure. someone like Bolly in. Because I just think over the course of, over the course of the season and the next six to 12 games, however long you want to keep him for, I think Bolly has a good chance of, um, good chance of assists and, and goals because he's just so massive, mm. as Here's you pointed take, out. Because I think my, my issue actually at the moment is, um, so with my transfers, like Kiko is out because he's not even playing anymore. Um, and Lundstrom is in just easy, done, sorted. But I wasn't really sure what other transfer to make. And I was like, I'm still got Zinchenko kicking around for absolutely no reason. Yeah. So maybe um, Bolly is a good switch there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I- I'd absolutely do that. I mean, the only thing to think about, right? And this is what I'm having a little bit of trouble with at the moment because I haven't really looked at the fixtures in detail. Okay. I Like, I have an idea of what I want my team to look like, but I'm trying to not wildcard into something that I can't get out of. Right. So, like, the, the thing with Willy Bolly is 5.0 is a slightly awkward price for a defender, but in your situation, you're downgrading, so you're actually yeah. freeing up money. That That makes a lot of sense to me, and I think as long as it's not pricing you out of moves you want to make in two, three weeks' time... Well, I, I think, think he's a really strong option. Yeah, and I think I'm blessed because I still have my wild card. So yeah. even if it does pin me into a corner, I can get out of it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the game where, where Wolves conceded the most goals was the one that Wilfred, uh, sorry, Willie Bolly <laughs> didn't play in, uh, which was the, the Chelsea game at home. And before that, they, they lost 3-2 to Everton. But I think that was the one he got sent off in, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so before that, they only conceded two goals over the course uh, in, in the season, and uh, yeah, they don't seem to concede more than one goal a game when Willy Bolly plays the full match. He also hasn't had a yet. Obviously, he did have that red, but he hasn't had a yellow card yet this season. That's nice. it. Oh, he, he's doing the Spurs. He's just yeah. only taking red cards. I haven't done a, uh, a yellow card corner, but Dunk is on four yellow cards. Oh God! Thank God so you told me that. That is just something to bear in mind that I completely forgot to do this because I didn't want to do notes this week. There should um, be a an indicator for that on FPL, shouldn't there? Because that's like, yeah, that's like if you get someone in 
and they're on their uh, like for the next three or four weeks and they're on their fourth yellow card you don't know about it unless you look it up so I I mean I do like that that's kind of a a sneaky little strategy you can have but he's a a genuine a genuine sort of good player that that people would want in their team so that's a good good shout yeah sorry I forgot about that well you remembered just in time I did and uh, I would like to shout out also Raul Jimenez, who seems to be back on the back on the hype. I mean, he's at seven point one, so it's when starting you've got to Tammy emerge, for 7. right? Seven point six. I'm not going for Jimenez at seven point one. Yeah, it, it feels it feels too early, right? Like there are so many good options emerging around that price range, and it feels too early after like one good performance to be going for him. But he is quietly is quietly sort of ticking along and I think he's really improved in in the last few games so maybe just one to put on your watch list and and look out for or maybe if you're if you're just going for a mental differential because you're a wild child and that's how you like to play the game then you know go ahead bring in old Jimenez all right so what's next (laughs) we want to talk about the terrible which is City and United I don't think we need to dwell on this too much (laughs) do we yeah it's so who else fits this sort of category i think spurs fit this category at the moment yeah but i didn't the reason i didn't include spurs was because i thought no one in their right mind would have a spurs player and if anyone does i've seen quite a few stop listening i've seen some teams with sissoko in them just stop delete this podcast from wherever you're listening to it and 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 continue with your life without it yeah to be honest that's that's where i'm at remember a few weeks ago when son scored like 15 points no, I don't recall. Yeah, it happened. It was so okay. long ago now. He went up in price and uh, maybe he didn't. I might be lying about that. Well, but... you're all fools. I think he did go up in price. Aurier is sensational. I love it that he just gets himself sent off all the time. And yeah, everything is a, a mess. Everything is a mess. Danny Rose is rubbish. Lloris is out injured. Um, the entire thing is falling apart. And I think similar could be said about Man United. And it's... If you have any United players, is there any saving grace? I mean, Rashford can't score from open play. Pogba's apparently injured. Uh, their defence is apparently good on paper, but they keep conceding goals and it's just, there is nothing there. And Man City, perhaps the most shocking, like, what what do you, do you think is worth persevering? Because I mean, I'm... Let's tie this in with my wildcard chat. I'm yeah, currently, I'm currently moving... Raheem Sterling out of my team for Sadio Mane. Oh, are you keeping... And what are you doing about Salah? Did you have Salah? I didn't have Salah. Okay. And it, Which is actually... This is an annoying thing, right? Like, I've made a number of, like, big calls this year. Like, not having Salah, not going for guys like Aguero and going for Aubameyang. I've made some good calls. But then there have been crazy people like Pookie and Abraham who've just brought me back down to earth. And Carl Walker, who's been one of the worst failed experiments ever um because this was really annoying right the week that Laporte got injured was the week that I brought Walker in yeah um so so before the injury I brought him in and I was like oh guaranteed clean sheets in the next like few games I think it was Robertson I got rid of at the time uh and I was just yeah I wanted to free up some money then Laporte got injured and I think they conceded in that game maybe they kept one clean sheet over this time frame but he keeps getting taken off like 45 minutes in. It's absolutely insane. And it's, yeah, so I got one clean sheet in that time. Every other game has been one point 
including the 8-0 against Watford. Yeah. But where Otamendi Zin- got 15. Yeah, and he was the one Zinchenko people brought is- in. Yeah, the story with Zinchenko is the same, though, because he's the one, I guess, that a lot of people have. Yeah. And, yeah, he just keeps getting taken off and thrown on willy-nilly. Yeah. And it's, I think it's genuinely not worth the hassle it's having not. a defender right now because you just don't know what the fuck is going on. They are so bad defensively. It's ridiculous. I... Uh, and, you know, this is probably something I said last season quite a bit, and it's something that's frustrated me for a long time, is that teams went to play City and they just tried to lose 1-0. Like, that yeah. was their game plan. And that's not... You can't have that game plan, because if you have that game plan, you're just going to lose 1-0, or 4-0, or 8-0. <laughs> like, you have to try and attack them and put them on the back foot, because they really struggled to come back from it. And we've seen that a number of times this season. Like, as soon as they concede a goal, they just sort of panic like they they try to force it they're not in control anymore and teams are are buoyed by the fact that they've got a a a lead on man city who are supposedly you know the best team in the country so i do think there are a lot of question marks and sterling is is one of the casualties from my wild card so i'm looking at their fixtures and i'm thinking am i confident that they're gonna score against crystal palace Maybe one goal, maybe a, a one nil or a two one, but I mean Carl Walker's got to be taken off thirty five minutes in probably, so I'm not going to persevere with him, and I may as well just have De Bruyne because he's the constant in their good performances, and it's weird that they won the league last season without De Bruyne. Without him, yeah, because they look so uh, good at times. So have you brought him in now? So my current my current setup, right? I've got. And Matt Ryan's probably going to come out, but I've currently got him. I'm actually thinking I'm going to move to Sheffield Henderson. Um, The reason for that is he's 0.1 cheaper. Mm. And also, I kind of think that they have better fixtures over the next few uh, in terms of keeping clean sheets. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, compared to Brighton. Well, maybe that's not actually true. No, no, sorry. That wasn't the reason why. I'm just completely misleading you. The reason why was because I want to move Duncan at some point. Yeah. And I don't want to double up. And, and I who's think, your other keeper? Pope. Uh, so Nick Pope, who I've had since the start, and he's he's gone up to 4.7 now, so I've got a little bit of profit on him. Right. I currently have, and this is not the team that I'm rolling with, but I, I still have Rico sitting in here. I have Robertson <laughs> and Van Dyke, who I already had. I have yeah. Lundstrom, but he's just a placeholder for Tierney because okay. basically I want him to get another price rise as well which i don't think is going to happen but we'll see um i've got diop but he's going to come out so it's it's probably going to be winston reed at 3.9 because he's a cheapo boy kieran tierney and where Win- does reed even play for west ham still yeah but he's just out injured forever but the fact that he's right. 3.9 i'm like yeah sign me up i'll take it uh i, I just need it to be able to free up some cash um so yeah, I'll have Kieran Tierney, he's at 5.4, and Willy Bolly at 5.0. So it's an expensive defence. Yeah. But I'm I'm seriously backing this um, Liverpool double up because I, and I haven't made any transfers for this. This is just, my team was already that. But with Alisson coming back, I think a lot of people are starting to look at, look at the Liverpool thing and be like, oh, it's fake. It's, it, clean sheets are dead. Like they're never going to happen again. I think it's quite clear that Alisson being out has had an impact more than yeah. an, more of an impact than you'd perhaps expect. But then if you look at Liverpool's defence, I mean, 
Leicester only had one shot on target against them. It's not like most games when that happens, they're not scoring. And it was really a bit of a goalkeeping blunder. So I think that's going to drastically increase their value over the the course of the next few games. Also, they're playing Man City and Spurs. uh, Sorry, uh, Man United and Spurs in the next two. And Man United cannot score goals. They're just completely incapable of doing it. So... That is something that, that I'm looking at and thinking there could be a really good, um, could sort of win there. Uh, so in midfield, I'm keeping Guendouzi, I'm keeping McGinn, Mane for Sterling, which frees up about a million. And he just, Mane for me looks better than Salah at the moment, which isn't something I thought I'd ever say. I think Salah's finishing is just been very very hit and miss at the moment I think Mane the same could be said but he just seems to he seems to be the one who's getting in the really really good positions whereas Salah's just kind of I don't know it's kind of snatching at chances and I don't think he's getting as good chances as Mane is at the moment I'm keeping De Bruyne and I currently have Mason Mount but he's a placeholder for one of a few players so I'm thinking of bringing Trossard back but I don't know if he's going to be fit. So I'm waiting for Ben Dinnery on that one. <laughs> he's, a, he's a weird sort of differential. And I thought he looked amazing for Brighton when he was playing. Yeah. Um, he did also, I think he scored twice or something. He, he definitely had one disallowed by VAR and then scored later in that game. He looked really strong against Man City. So I think he's, a, he's at 5.8 and he's affordable in this current team setup that I have. If not him, I'm looking at someone like maybe Traore... Uh, maybe McNeil, maybe Lanzini, but it's someone that I'm not super like confident about. It, yeah. It's 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 someone who I I want to take a punt on. I could have Mason Mount, but I'd have to downgrade Willy Bolly to someone like Dunk. Yeah, that that I would s- be the trade off. So the thing is, like, so if you've got Traore, then you're you've got Willy Bolly and Traore. Like, is that yeah. too much Wolf? Yeah, and, um, and I don't. McN- I wouldn't know Sorry. when to play him. That's yeah. that's the issue I have with Traore, right? Like I, because I think he's being used in a very specific way that I'm not going to know <laughs> what the manager's doing. So it, it feels a little bit risky. Whereas Trossard, I know that when he does come back into the team, he's going to be an attacking midfielder. He's going to take a lot of shots, and I kind of put him in that like McGinn bracket of someone who's attacking, shoots a lot, and and wants to score goals. Um, and I've been a little bit disappointed with McNeil, actually, since yeah. I got him in. Well, like, I don't, you know, you can only expect so much. But, yeah, I was hoping for a bit more from him. They've sort of gone back to to old standard, standard old Burnley winning 1-0, haven't they? Like, they yeah. haven't been scoring a lot. But I do think that that may start to change at some point. But um, was there anyone else in midfield? Yeah, I don't know. It's like looking at the prices, I don't really want Cantwell. I don't want anyone from Norwich. No, it's not worth it. It could be someone like El Ghazi, but then now I don't want to double up on, on Villa midfielders. Yeah, definitely not. I think maybe the only other one I could look at would be someone like Redmond. But, you know, Southampton are, I think he's great, but I think I want to see more from Southampton first. And also Gineppo, who... I don't know what his injury status is, but he's dropped down to 5.2 now. So if, if he's available, he could be another one where like he, he'd be a great differential that no one is going to have because, you know, not many people are using their wild cards at this point and certainly not to bring him in. So I'm thinking maybe he could be a decent differential, but 
I just it, it feels quite risky. I'm not sure at the moment. So I think I'll probably end up going with Trossard, but awaiting injury news. Keeping Aubameyang, of course. And I'm going to go for Josh King and Callum Wilson up front. And it was either... Basically, I could do that or I could do like Josh King and Abraham or like, I just, I really, really want that Bournemouth coverage. And I think those two have been consistently scoring high tallies and against Norwich next. It's a really great opportunity and it's a really great opportunity to still a march on people who aren't using wild cards, aren't using free hits or whatever. Um, because I think a lot of people will struggle to bring him in, especially if you've got like Abraham, like unless you've already got Callum Wilson, he's quite he's quite tricky to bring in. I think because who do you remove? Like you're yeah. removing Aguero, or you're removing Abraham, or you're removing Vardy. You're removing a lot of good players, so uh, it, it can be a tough one <clears throat> unless you just have loads of money sitting around. So I think that is what I'm looking at, and it feels sort of to me like um like the move when I brought in Hazard last year, and that was like game week three. That I decided yeah. to wildcard. But it feels like that where I've, I've just got a feeling in these fixtures and also the way that King and Wilson have been playing and the way that Mane's been playing compared to Sterling. And it all seems like it it's a good risk to take mm. and a good time because I've seen enough. So I'm thinking that's what I'm going to go for. But I do feel sad about letting like Alair go. Uh, I don't feel so sad about letting Shea Adams go because he was just crazily dropping in price. Uh, okay. I guess we we move on then to the Denalysis domestic, oh, where all the action's you... been happening. So, uh, top of the league still, Mikey McLeod. Will Absolutely smashing it. And that Don't is know. how you say his name? That is confirmed. Top scorer of game week eight. I Would you believe it? it? It was, once again, My Denise goddamn Twining. Mom. Who, who used her triple captain on Chris Wood. Like, what the hell? She got a two-point a two triple captain. And... But still managed 69 points overall. Yeah. Which is, what, triple your points? <laughs> I got 23. Literally triple oh your God. points. Your oh. mum scored. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I don't believe it. It's just one of those weeks. It's, you know, sometimes it happens and she had obviously David Louise absolutely smashing it. Ben Mee, Lewis Dunk, Matt Ryan, her entire defence kept clean sheets and one of them scored and one of them assisted. Mason Mount with a goal, Mane with a, <laughs> a goal. Oh God, a goal and an assist actually from Mane. I, I, I don't know what to say, but congrats mum, well done. I'm so happy I made her make a team because now I she's... Hope she lis- I hope she listens again to get her yeah, shout-out. Yeah. I don't know. She doesn't know that that she's a top scorer. I saw this earlier today, but I didn't tell her because <laughs> I knew she was going to make fun of me or something. Aww. But well, well done, Mum. Congrats to you. You're apparently <laughs> really good at Fantasy League. Ah, okay. Cool. What's next? Are we looking well, at the I'm... next game week? Yeah, let's do that. Righto. Right, Saturday we have an early kickoff. It's Everton versus West Ham. And this to me looks like it could be really boring. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I'm so mad that now the BT games are the twelve thirty hmm. and that's it. And it's like, oh my god, like give me some strength, plus because 
I can't hack that. I can't hack that being the only game I can legally watch this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of sucks. I mean, I do... With every passing year, I just want to move to the US more and more so I can just watch all of the games. And also the great thing about that is, like, the games finish at, like, two in the afternoon. You've so you still can... got your whole day. Yeah, it's amazing. Whereas we're, we're, we have to, like spend our entire day watching football and then it's like oh yeah. time for bed now unless you're gonna stay up till six in the morning but no this looks quite bad i think everton are in dreadful form they're usually quite good at goodison but they just can't score goals at the moment and west ham kind of hit and miss so i guess it's interesting in that like you know these are, are both teams who are vying for that sort of seventh or eighth place and neither of them have been overly convincing i think west ham have been the more convincing everton are currently in relegation zone so it's not looking great for them and i think if you've got everton players man you need to you need to get the hell out of there you know on the fpl site on the fixture difficulty ranking this game is a a four for west ham what a ridiculous joke I, I, you know, I never pay attention to those because they're so no, me bad. Neither, but I what are they based to... on? I, I, I feel like I they're... don't know. Aren't they just based on like where the teams finished last year? Yeah, like I, I think there's probably some kind of more complicated stats that go into it. I don't but... know if there are, but it does. It does seem very like outdated. Like it, it seems to be based a lot on historical performance and not current performance. That's it. Like it wouldn't be hard for them to just up, make that update. Hmm throughout the season like every x months yeah updates i don't know it's weird yeah i don't know i guess it's probably just a lot of work like you have to build algorithms and stuff for that and they're like oh nah, yeah the premier league just don't have enough money for that do they no i hear no. that they're strapped for they'd, argue, they'd argue that they give you this free game and that you know they're doing great things for the people but i don't know uh right we've got a bunch of three three pms it looked pretty so decent so many three pms so I'm quite excited about this because, for one thing, most of the games are on Saturday, which is, is great. This is how football should be. I do like a Super Sunday, but I, I also love having all the 3 p.m.s because it, it's nice to just get your players sort of doing the, doing the things. So we have Aston Villa versus Brighton, which looks like a very exciting one, actually. Bournemouth versus Norwich. Could be goals galore. Could be a boring nil-nil. A shocking nil-nil. Uh, Chelsea, Newcastle, Leicester play Burnley, Spurs play Watford, which is a very interesting one, <laughs> and Wolves play Southampton. So this is another one of those weeks where you've got quite a lot of... Um, you've got like Aston Villa and Brighton, two teams who I think their primary concern is staying in the league. But they've both looked pretty impressive in, in different ways so far. Um, and then you've got Bournemouth and Norwich where you've got two quite attacking teams, one who are who are playing quite well but had a really game against Arsenal a really bad game against Arsenal and Norwich who have just been falling apart in recent weeks hoping to bounce back Chelsea and Newcastle like polar opposites you've got attack kings versus defensive kings and then Leicester and Burnley is sort of a similar similar kind of matchup Spurs Watford though wow so this one really I mean does anyone does anyone have Spurs players first of all because i th- i don't know if anyone in our league like is rolling with kane and and thinking like oh maybe i'll just keep him for this watford game but what an opportunity for watford this is right <laughs> yeah definitely cuz they they've 
also Watford against Sheffield United. Oh my God, they had so many great chances. And I think this is part of what sold me on Henderson. Like he, he kept out a number of like clear goal scoring opportunities. Um, but also Danny Welbeck, man, learn to finish. It's, it's going to be a hard season if you're missing great chances like that. And Spurs with Gatsaniga in goal, with uh, Danny Rose, Alderweireld and Vertonghen who don't want to be there. I don't even know who's playing at right back. Is it going to be Aurier? I guess he's back. I, you have to get at that defence. And it could, it could be an interesting one, but no fantasy interest here. And Wolves Southampton, I think, does look like an interesting one. I think it's a good time to get in Wolves players, but maybe more defensively than, than attacking-wise. Because I just don't know, like, when you think of how, how Wolves tend to do well against teams that like having lots of possession, Southampton like to steal possession from you high up. So I, I don't know if that could be two sort of warring stars cancelling each other out, like a lot of these games are. Um, are you looking at any sort of captaincy options in here? Yeah, I think really I'm going to have to captain Tammy Abraham. Yeah. He he looks like the sort of obvious one on paper, doesn't he? I mean, unless you're going, unless you're going like me for a Bournemouth guy, which is still, you know, I yeah. think every game is different, right? Like Bournemouth against Norwich on paper, I think Bournemouth should win this 5-0. But that's not how football is played. So. Yeah, I actually I agree. And I think those are the best options. I think Wilson, King and... Abraham yeah. or Mount if you're really nuts yeah um I think actually those are the best options this game week they're the ones that really jump out and maybe a Leicester against Burnley you could no. maybe make a shout for Vardy I don't like it at all I don't I, yeah I don't at all I'm really but... annoyed that I went against everything I believed in and played Vardy last week because I really didn't want to yeah and it fucked me over and I'm annoyed about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. You got like 31 weeks or something to to make up for it. To, so. Yeah, to rectify myself. Yeah, yeah. So you're all good. Um, and then we got the late kickoff, which is Crystal Palace against Man City. I think the the reverse fixture last season was the one where Crystal Palace beat them what like one nil with that Townsend. No, it was like three one. No, it was like three. Was it three? Was it okay? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well. This does look like a banana skin for City and I think I'm waiting and seeing on, on what the De Bruyne situation is because I don't know, like if he's not going to be back for this game, I might actually just get rid of him and do something else with my wild card and get like, just go crazy and get Pepe or something because I feel I feel like uh, I'm being way too crazy with that. But like, if De Bruyne is going to have another injury ridden season, I think this is easily got to be Liverpool's title and I know it's a it's a long long way to go but Liverpool have really impressed me with their ability to just get results and I think they did it quite well last season as well but they just fell off in a key moment um but I think they're better than City at getting a win just however in whatever way they they need to like getting that late penalty against um against Leicester when they really were by far the better team and should have been two or three goals ahead anyway but like um City I think really struggling games like this and I would not be looking at a captaincy option here just with the way they're playing but you could you know with all that said lots of people are going to be feeling like I'm feeling 
And lots of people are going to be writing City off for this game because of the history of, of Crystal Palace beating them and because of how City are playing. So what a great time to captain Raheem Sterling or or Kevin De Bruyne or, or Aguero. But it's just, it's not for me. Away from home, uh, Palace, I think, will be buoyed by their recent performances. And yeah, it's not looking good for the boys. They're not They're not creating great chances. Moving on to Sunday, we've got just the one game and it's Man United versus Liverpool. This is my other potential captaincy option that I'm looking at because I really think Man United are terrible again it's one of those things where I think whenever Liverpool go to Old Trafford it doesn't matter how bad Man United are at the time the games seem to be quite boring and Man United seem to be quite good at defending because I guess they get buoyed by the crowd and and they get into it so I'm thinking about Mane just because he would give me a Sunday captain. It's something to look forward to. Bournemouth could screw it up and lose like 3-1 or something to to Norwich. But I just feel like I'm going to go with the one that my, my... I'm not sure if it's my heart or my head saying Bournemouth. It might be both. Okay. Um, but there's certainly another part of me that's saying Liverpool. So... Yeah, I don't know. Mane does look like a good option here, but he's also a little bit bit risky because of how those Man United-Liverpool games tend to go. If it was at Anfield, I'd almost definitely go for Mane. And I think I'll, I will go for Mane next week when he plays Spurs. But the Man United one, I'm just not quite confident about. And I don't think many other people will be captain in me either. So I'm thinking Bournemouth because it's sort of my differential. I, I've got to go for it. And then on Monday, it's Sheffield United versus Arsenal. So part of the reason I'm not captain of Aubameyang is because I cannot deal with waiting until Monday again. It's just, it's awful. Especially when it ends up with just like one goal or whatever, or no goals. Um, but yeah, I, I I think Aubameyang's a shout if you don't have any of the, the aforementioned players. Kind of a little bit risky, but I do think, you know, people hesitate with Aubameyang as a captain. He has been remarkably consistent I think Arsenal will score in this game I just think like we said earlier you know Sheffield United are strong defensively and they're not going to give away loads of chances so so it is a risk um, but I think it's a worthwhile risk to take if you don't have one of the more outstanding options this week and last but not least clean sheet cup eh yeah um, we both scored zero points who do we uh, say you said Liverpool, and, and I said if it West wasn't Ham. for pesky Adrian with his letting the shot go through his fingers, I would have got it. Liverpool deserved that clean sheet. Damn it! Who did keep clean sheets last week? Newcastle, Brighton, Brighton. Wolves, Burnley, and uh, Watford and Sheffield United. Ah, uh, there's a nice little nil-nil in there. We missed out on that one. Right, uh, who goes first? I think it's you? You No, you it's go me. first because you're still behind. Okay. Uh, okay, what have we got? We got Villa Brighton. I think there'll be goals in that. I think there's got to be a lot of surprises and it's going to be a weird one. Um, I don't want to say Liverpool because it's too boring, but I do think they will keep a clean sheet. I reckon... I'm going to say Bournemouth. Against Norwich. I think Norwich are at sixes and sevens at the moment. And they're just... They don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to score. Pukki's having a crisis of confidence. Um, nothing's going for him. So I reckon Bournemouth are just going to blow him off the park. It's going to be a, a nice little 4-0 or something. Okay. Uh, 
I'm going to say Spurs, Watford, 0-0. Oh, <laughs> that was the other game I was really looking at. And I was thinking, Watford, clean sheet, 0-0 is brave. I'm doing it. Oh, okay. I like it. I, l- I like it a lot. Big fan, big fan. Ah, right, do we have anything else to talk about? What else is going no. on in football? Well, it's back. That's, that's the great news, right? Football is going to be back um, yeah. because no football has happened over this time. And uh, I, I must say I've dearly missed it, even though the, the last Arsenal game was terrible and I had a, a really, really bad week. It's just a shame when you don't have the opportunity to bounce back quickly. But it's come around and it will be here soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can, of course rate and review us on itunes um or it's it's not going to be called itunes on mac anymore officially on ios because they're they're discontinuing it aren't they discontinuing itunes um but yeah you can rate and review us on that five stars only please and give us say little nice things about me and natalie and how great we are uh you can follow us on twitter at the denalysis we'll probably be back to regular postings and whatnot considering you know football is back soon um what else can you do uh you can email us oh yeah <laughs> at hello at the com. and uh I, I guess that's it really i mean send us fan mail um you need to know our address i can't i'm not going to give mine out on the podcast just yet uh yeah comp- we should set up a p.o box yeah we really should maybe we'll do that next week eh a little uh, little P.O. box for the, for the super fans. But anyway, thank you for listening if you've gotten this far. And we will see you next week, probably, uh, probably Monday-ish. Wait, oh, God, the Arsenal game's on Monday. Yeah, we'll we we'll record, record on Sunday. We'll have to record Sunday because it's yeah. Friday game. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't do Monday recording. It's such a mess. So, okay, we'll be back before the Arsenal game. So we won't know what, <laughs> what happens, but it, it's all good. All right, bye, everyone. Bye.